0: Welcome to Engage 360, Denver Seminary's podcast. Join us as we explore the redemptive power of the gospel and the life-changing truth of scripture at work in our culture today. Hi, I'm your host, Don Payne. When my oldest son was in college a few years back, he had a decent job, but at one point he was between leases on apartments, and he decided that he would simply be homeless for a summer. So he kept a sleeping bag in his car, and he slept on the lawn of his office building most nights, and he experienced uh, the local police coming by to move him along because he wasn't allowed to sleep there, and he probably got a very light dose of some other experiences that are common to homeless persons. Now, I have to admit, and I think he would as well, that he did not do this out of any deep moral sensibilities Um, frankly I think he thought it would make for some good stories which it did Uh, not least when he would show up for work and shower at the office after sleeping somewhere in the parking lot Uh, now of course the reality of homelessness is a far more sobering matter than that there was a time years ago when for many Americans homelessness was an abstraction it was mostly a statistic And now, even in some of the most uh, comfortable and affluent American suburbs, people without homes can be seen and even encountered any and every day of the week. Now, it's almost impossible to think about people who are homeless apart from homelessness as a social, economic, political phenomenon. And many in that life situation would never have imagined that life could have taken that direction for them. I suppose there are many in that situation for reasons so complex that they defy any simplistic moral analysis. Homeless persons and their life situations can bring out some of the most visceral and complex emotions for those who have predictable and adequate living conditions. So the gospel, this redemptive invasion of human life and history by Jesus Christ, it compels engagement of those often known as the last, the lost, the least, and the little. And at the same time, it seems pretty common that followers of Jesus can struggle with ambivalence between that gospel imperative and the desire for ROI, return on investment, the desire to see difference made. Actually just this morning I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 22 and through the prophet the Lord compared the wayward King Shalom with his father King Josiah. And Verse 16 says he, that is Josiah, defended the cause of the poor and needy and so all went well. And is that not what it means to know me, declares the Lord. So for those who want to engage the world with the redemptive power of the gospel, That sort of heightens the tension and heightens the stakes and we need a lot of guidance from wise, from experienced, from courageous people like our guest this week. Brad Miley uh, originally hails from Kansas and after serving in the Marine Corps, he had a 17-year career in banking and was first a board member for the Denver Rescue Mission, then a staff member at the mission. And now, Brad serves as the president and CEO of the Denver Rescue Mission. So, Brad, welcome to Engage 360. It's so great to be here, Don. Thank you for asking me. How long have you been the CEO, the director of the mission? On
1: April Fool's Day, it was 20 years. Hmm. Is that, is that suggestive of
0: something? <laughs> I don't know. It's always just kept me humble to remember that I came on April Fool's Day. But twenty years, 20 years, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, that's a good stretch. Uh, I I forgot to mention also that Brad is the chair of the board of trustees at Denver Seminary. So we're, we're I'll just take this little interlude to say thanks for your leadership of the seminary board and for all that you invest there. That's listen. That's a great I gift I appreciate
1: you saying that. It's a great honor to uh, to have that opportunity. And so I'm in my second year of uh, of being chairman, and uh, it's it's been a great honor. I love what Denver Seminary does, and so. It's It's been wonderful.
0: Okay, so I saw on the Denver Rescue Mission's website that at one point you, or I guess at several points, you have ridden your bicycle across Kansas and from Denver to Phoenix and from Reno to Seattle to raise money for the Denver Rescue Mission, which which makes me realize that yes indeed you were a banker because you have figured out how to monetize your habits your, ho- and your hobbies <laughs> right for a good oh, cause no, though. that that is
1: true and and I didn't go alone you know we had a team of folks that uh, did it together we were and we were well supported uh, we actually stayed in not not uh, four star hotels, but we stayed in some hotels. I'm I'm getting a little too old to sleep on the ground. Yeah, and I get so, that. Yeah, so uh, but it, it, very very challenging. Uh, and uh, I, I really one of the things that was so wonderful is the outpouring of financial support, you know, to help fight hunger at the Denver Rescue Mission. But at the same time, you know, I think about the guys in our uh, addiction program. We call it the New Life Program. And what they have to go through, and I thought, if I can just go through this for 10 days, you know, if they can go through something for 13 months trying to uh, overcome drug and alcohol addiction, surely I can go through something for 10 days for them.
0: Yeah, yeah, good call. Man, that is a long way to go, any one of those. It was I can't even fathom Yeah. The Phoenix
1: to Denver was hard because a lot of desert, you know, I I will say the uh, going across the the northwest, uh, northern uh, California, up through Oregon into Washington rained on us every single day. Uh, but it was beautiful. It was incredibly beautiful. And that part of the country is really, um, really inc- more encouraging to uh, cyclists and, uh, than some of the other places uh, that I've gone. And more of course, trails, better roads? Yeah, yeah. Well, and just people were more cognizant of riders, oh, okay. Okay. I thought, which was a wonderful thing because they're out there. And yeah. so uh, when you're going across, when you're in Kayanta, uh, Arizona, there's not as many riders. Huh. Imagine that. (laughs) And, of course, uh, across Kansas is just flat. And We went with a bike across Kansas, which was kind of fun. Okay. um, A little
0: shorter, but uh, pretty flat. Well, glad you're doing that. Okay, so the Denver Rescue Mission, I I found out on some website. So this has got to be true because I found it on the Internet. Okay, there you go. The Denver Rescue Mission is ranked as one of the top ten rescue missions in the U.S., now again, I don't know who I don't remember who did those rankings, but again, I, it was on the internet, so it's got to be so true. I wonder if I wonder if I did. No, that, I. That <laughs> that may or may not be the case. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's
1: very kind to ever yeah. re- ranked us.
0: I don't know what those me- what metrics they use for that. Mm. But it was impressive to me and and I have in in all seriousness heard before that the Denver rescue mission is considered among the vanguard, among the leaders, the pace setters for Rescue Mission Ministry across the U.S. And what I I do know also is that the Denver Rescue Mission uh, has a a very diverse operation, a multifaceted operation. uh, Tell us a bit about that. What, What are the various things that the Rescue Mission does in addition to the main location in Lodo? Sure, well, first of all, it's very kind that someone would rank us that way. We're one of the
1: larger missions in the country simply because uh, you have to go about another three, 600 miles to find another large mission when you're coming west. And so people often stop in Colorado. And our economy's been so good that people have come and, uh, and really stopped to, to be with us. Uh, the Denver Rescue Mission has uh, nine facilities and we basically do four things very quickly. One is emergency services. The 900,000 meals, the 400,000 nights of shelter annually is just keeping people alive. Secondly, we have a new life rehabilitation program these are guys struggling with drug and alcohol uh, issues. They stay with us for about 13 months. We have 200 men in that particular program. Uh, we do transitional housing for families uh, in a couple different ways. Um, and then lastly, we have outreach into the community, which is food boxes, um, uh, clothing, furniture, that sort of thing. And so uh, it's it's wider than that, but they're kind of in those four categories. Okay. Now, you have, you have the farm. Still yes, up by Wellington? we do. We have a farm in Wellington. We also operate the Fort Collins uh, rescue mission.
0: OK, I didn't know that. Yes. OK. Now, the farm, as I understand, is a place where some some folks who are in a certain phase. Correct me if I'm wrong. They're in a certain phase of uh, some of the programs actually work there. And then you grow food that is actually then used at the mission. Do I have that right? We do. We do grow food uh, that is used at the mission. But the, the
1: uh, New Life program is, is at the farm. And here's what it's really, really, where it's really been good is there are folks that uh, are struggling with drug and alcohol addictions, and they, they don't want to come to Denver. They don't want to be in the big city because they're in rural communities. And uh, alcohol and drug addiction uh, are not just something that happens in the city. It happens in rural communities. So we draw from uh, western Kansas. We draw from all over Colorado that's from more rural, from southern Wyoming, actually from even a farther group than that. We have 72 men in our New Life Rehabilitation program. So they're not in any one particular phase. Okay. And sent up there, they actually um, uh, start from the very beginning, and so uh, and then and we have cows and pigs and all that sort of thing. It's a so real deal farm. It's a real farm experience. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that I think that's therapeutic in its own right. I, I think it really is. It's and it's beautiful up there, particularly in the summer. Now it gets a little windy and cold in the uh, wintertime. but yeah. uh, it's uh, it's it's great to mm. be outside, and mm.
0: a lot of a lot of folks really enjoy that. Brad, I found a stat uh, from the National Alliance to End Homelessness. They report, I think, as of 2018, uh, 10,857 homeless persons in Colorado. Now that I I don't know if you want to to correct that, that? yeah, yeah, or want to correct that figure at all. But just as a starting point, what either that or what other stats would help us understand and interpret what's at issue, what's going on with homelessness? sure well uh, i think that's probably a pretty good number it's it's hard to count folks
1: you know it's really hard to count the city does a thing they call the point in time survey uh, and they do it every year in january we're involved with that and then some of the numbers just came out and there's a little over five thousand the metro denver area so over half those people are here in denver uh, but again hard to count uh, people, uh, Some of the schools would say there's a lot more uh, folks that are homeless because people maybe are uh, on a couch or they're with another family member or something like that, but they are effectively homeless. Okay. And those people really don't get counted the same way. Uh, and so, so there could be far more. I, I believe there is far more. I really do.
0: Hmm. What does is, what is the average person, if there is such a thing, need to know about homelessness that they might not know otherwise? Sure, I I think a couple
1: things. One is um, the people who are experiencing uh, homelessness are uh, real people. They're just like you and me. There's so many different reasons for people being homeless. Uh, I mean, it could be in a medical event that caused it. It could be a domestic violence. It could be a family thing that uh, that happens. Yes, it could be drugs and alcohol. The number one reason for being homeless is obviously it's just loss of uh, uh, a home. And one of the reasons can't be
0: replaced. Yeah.
1: Well, one of the reasons that that's happening is um, that uh, the cost of uh, rents. Has just gone up so much or the cost of even owning a home has uh, really gone up because this has been a great economy and uh, consequently there's been a shortage of enough housing particularly affordable housing right which has caused people to uh, be in that situation so first of all they're real people people just like you and me And then then really uh, the second thing I I say is that uh, uh, people who are panhandling that you see on the street corner really are not reflective of the people on the street. Um, and the reason that I say that is 40% of the uh, people that are experiencing homelessness are families. And so when you see your kind of the, the old image of uh, a guy standing on the street, a veteran, you know, maybe 60 years old or something, I, I'm sorry, that's just not the, what we're experiencing when we're
0: working with homeless people. So those are two different phenomena? yeah typ- I, typical homeliness homelessness and folks on the street corners
1: yeah i'm just uh, not
0: all people on the
1: street corners are homeless so it would okay. be a good thing to remember and, and don't just look at that and go okay that guy doesn't want to work or he you know it's it, and that's what we tend to think of when we see someone standing on a street corner there's a lot of a lot of homeless folks that aren't standing on a street corner they're inside our facility trying I to see. get help
0: i see okay Re- uh, rescue missions, as far as I'm acquainted with them, have been around for a long time. They really have. I mean, the Denver Rescue Mission's been around for 127 years. Okay. Okay. What's the oldest one that you know of,
1: in this country, uh, anyway? Oh, in this—well, I was going to say Glasgow, Scotland. Okay. We'll I will go with that. Was, uh, in, I, and w- I think was one of the first ones. And really, the it came out of the whole Salvation Army and— uh, uh, and Mr. Booth, you know, okay. t- doing those. And so I think the oldest one in, uh, uh, is in New York. I think it's the Bowery Rescue Mission in mm. New York City. Mm. Uh, so, yes, they've been around for a very, very long time. And it's my, you might find it interesting to know that the Denver Rescue Mission really started out as two women at Galilee Baptist Church who started taking uh, prostitutes into their home. Huh. That and so we start from very very humble beginnings, and I think most rescue missions really kind of started that way. Uh, the ones that have been around a long time, with a Christian community, a church, churches saying, "Hey, we want to help. You know,
0: wh- what can we do?" Okay. Well, as long as rescue mission ministry has been around, how has that type of ministry changed or shifted or, or grown over the decades? Oh, wow. If it has.
1: It's really changed. Uh, You know, just in the the 20 years I've been at the Denver Rescue Mission, it's really, really changed. Uh, uh, There's a lot of reasons for that change, but I I think initially they were just soup kitchens. And uh, definitely during the Depression and uh, World War II, that sort of thing, they were really just uh, soup kitchens. But I think they've become so much more than that. Yes, it's important to get people inside, and once they've had something to eat and they— they have a place to stay, then they, they can begin to think about how can I get out of this situation? And we can come alongside of them, build relationships. I think this is what Christ is really encouraging us to do is to come alongside of folks Build relationships and say, how can we help you to get out of this? Our, our mission at the Denver Rescue Mission is changing lives in the name of Christ. I mean, we can't do that. Christ has to. And then we're trying to meet people at their physical and spiritual points of need and help them become productive, self-sufficient citizens again. Our, our goal is not to just keep feeding the same person year after year after year, although we will. Uh, it's to build a relationship with that person and then say, hey, how can I help you? to move out of homelessness. It might be they need to go to Stout Street Medical Clinic too because they have mental health issues. It might be they might be a Housing First candidate. Maybe they need to be in our rehabilitation program. There's a lot of different ways to try to guide people out of homelessness and that's what we're really trying to do. And I think that's what rescue missions are doing much more today than they were when they were just soup kitchens.
0: Okay, okay. that makes sense. So what's the what's the most difficult part of all this?
1: Well, the most the very, the most difficult thing for uh, for us for our chaplains is when you have someone in our rehabilitation program that has done well and has been off drugs and alcohol for six months or so, or maybe even longer, and then they relapse and they Recitivism. go back out. Yeah, and that that is so hard. You pour your life into someone, and you think they're getting it, and then. And and here's the here's the reality, Don. Is addiction is a horrible horrible thing? Addiction will uh, over, is more important than family. You know, it's more important than material things. It's more important than uh, than marriages. I mean, it's just a, uh, to to an addict, and so it's really really difficult. And so if uh, and so that's why folks need Jesus. This is why Jesus is so important. We have men in our New Life Rehabilitation program right now that have been in multiple programs, but by the time they get to the Denver Rescue Mission, they're they're just ready for anything. And here's what they'll say to me. The difference, Brad, is I've come to know God here. I know Jesus, and Jesus is is, is has become more important to me uh, than my addiction. And so this has really been the key
0: in seeing people's lives changed. Tell us this a story or two that really captures what keeps you doing. Sure.
1: Okay. So I love to tell this story. Uh, we do a graduation twice a year. Um, and so I'd been at the mission four or five years at the time. There was a, and so I'm sitting up in our chapel and a young man by the name of Robert, who's graduating from our new life rehabilitation program is sitting right next to me. He turns to me and he says, Brad, would you like to meet my mom? And I said, yeah, we're Robert, I'd love to meet your mom. Well, I knew he'd been estranged from his mom and he had done horrible things, stolen money, all that sort of thing. But his sister had brought his mom to the graduation and he hadn't talked to his mom. He's been with us 13 months, hadn't talked to his mom in over a year and his sister uh, brought the mom to the graduation. So the graduation ends, we start down the stairs and this little woman about four foot 11 comes running up and she throws her arms around her son And she says, "Uh, Robert, I love you. I knew you were going to make it. You're a good boy. And he's crying. She's crying. And I thought, it doesn't get any better than this. And then it got better. When Robert steps back, he can hardly talk. And he said, I want you to meet Brad, who runs the Denver Rescue Mission. And so then she grabs me, and she begins to hug me, and she's crying on my shoulder or whatever. And then she said these words that I'll never forget. Thank you for giving me my son back. And it was in that moment that I knew that this is exactly what we do at the Denver Rescue Mission. We restore sons to their moms. We restore husbands to their wives. We restore families, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ. And I, I go, This is so great. I gotta I gotta keep doing this. And so and I have for 17, 18 more years. I think so. we'll just
0: end the podcast right here. Enough <laughs> <No> said. <laughs> so that I love telling that story because wow. it
1: was just impacting me forever. Yeah.
0: What, what accounts for, this is, I guess, a broader question. What accounts for the differences in the states where homelessness has decreased most significantly versus those where it has not? Yeah. Well, I'm
1: not sure. There's a a lot of states where it's decreased significantly. Let me just say that. Okay. You know, uh, we belong to uh, an association of rescue missions called City Gate. Used to be the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. There's about 300 rescue missions all across the country, and I'm not hearing these uh, CEOs say, "Wow, our uh, our homeless numbers are way down." Yeah, that's
0: probably a bad, badly framed question. But you know where where they're what whatever differences there are in in the kind of impact it's making. well, I think the key. I think what you're really asking me, Don, is what what's
1: the key to effectively getting people off the street? Yeah. and uh, And and one of the key things that I think we're doing really well in Denver, and we're in, now, granted, it, we're still seeing an increase in the number of homeless. Okay. Uh, which is, uh, I think, more a function of the economy here, or the function of uh, the number of people that love to be in Colorado. I mean, certainly we've. Seen to grow, but I I I think the difference is that we're really working closely together. When I talk to other CEOs, you know, when we talk about uh, business uh, a business partnership and a city partnership and the faith based community all working closely together, like what we have in Denver. There's a lot of other cities that are not seeing that. Okay. They, they're they operating as silos or as uh, in islands, and it makes it very, very difficult. But uh, working together collectively, I think that's been the wonderful thing,
0: actually, that's happened in Denver over the last few years. Uh, that's good to hear. I, I wonder whether, and, and you can correct this uh, or revise it in any way you want, I wonder whether and to what extent homelessness as a phenomenon has been politicized and and if it has how has that affected um i mean are there, are they both good and bad byproducts of that yeah i so we try to stay out of the uh,
1: politis, politicization how do i even say that word that's so, good enough okay work, work. good thank you so much uh <laughs> we try to stay out of that because I, I, I mean, the fact is that we, we are really – the city has the same goal that the Denver Rescue Mission does, and that's to get people out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. So uh, now there may be some different approaches how to do that, but I think we can join hands and walk together and try to uh, resolve that. I think sometimes this can get uh, politicized, um, you know, but, again, we 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 really try to stay out of that particular okay. thing. And, I, and I, I think over the last few years here in Denver, honestly, with – uh, Mayor Hickenlooper, and then, you know, now Mayor Hancock in the city of Denver, there's really been a huge desire to just, how can we work together to solve this? Whether you're a Democrat, whether you're a Republican, it doesn't matter. But what can we do to try to get
0: people back as productive, self sufficient citizens? That's good to hear. You know, you're a Denver Seminary graduate. I'm going to shift this in a little bit more of a personal direction if I can. Um, you're a Denver Seminary graduate. How has your seminary education influenced what you do in this ministry. So
1: I've been asked that before I get the chance to be asked that as a Denver Seminary chairman, which is really kind of a fun thing. And so I, I have an MA in leadership, and so which seemed to be uh, really a good— I joined the mission and then started going to uh, class. I like to say I took a two-year program and completed it in a whopping seven years. So, uh, But uh, I was able to complete that, and I think the thing that— uh, there's, a, there's several different things, but one of the things that's been so important is I think the Denver Seminary, first of all, provided me such a great background into the Bible and the issues uh, of the Bible, and uh, my relationship with God grew here at Denver Seminary, and my understanding of God, um, and just how powerful and wonderful, and uh, my and in in the grace of Jesus Christ grew, which is all those things are very wonderful. But the other thing that happened through my mentoring uh, relationships, and uh, I really learned how important relationships are, and uh, I really feel like that's really a key component for the Denver Rescue Mission. As I said, whether it's guys in our New Life program or people coming off the street we're trying to share Jesus with people by first coming alongside of them and loving them and developing a relationship with them, and so uh, that's that's been a great thing that uh, uh, really was cemented at uh, Denver Seminary.
0: What's the? I mean, you've already told us a a great and gripping story of of transformation there. I think it. At some point, ministry always has to be fun. There has to be a fun component. You've got to be able to laugh things. And I, I want to know what what's the funnest or maybe the funniest thing that's ever happened to you in 20 years leading the rescue mission?
1: Well, there's been some, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's been some tough things that have happened. And it's when you first say that, you know, I, I think of some of those hard things that have happened. Uh, but we've got to do some fun things. Don, honestly, we do a big Thanksgiving um a turkey drive every year and uh and the mission has a turkey outfit that i've dressed up in more than more than one or two times <laughs> so uh, one year we did uh, uh, we did kind of a fun thing that our senior leadership team to to the song call me maybe and so i don't know if you remember that you wanna, from,
0: well i don't but you I, can I cannot sing as a few bars i, I really could like.
1: not I really could not. But what we did was we uh, the song is playing, and then we stood behind some of our employees who didn't know that we were there and we danced behind them. And so, uh, and then we showed it at a, uh, all staff meeting and we said, we called the, uh, the video we're behind you. And so, uh, it was really kind of fun and to see people's faces when they realized that, uh, the CEO and some vice presidents were dancing really bad dancing, I might add, uh, behind them. And so just to encourage people and, uh, you know, have some lightness and stuff, uh, but we we laugh about stuff that happens every day. You, you, you kind of
0: have to, yeah. Do you not? For people who would want to be more involved in, you know, giving God's heart, God's care for uh, for the, those who are in homelessness. What are good first steps for them? Sure. Well, first of all, if you'd like to volunteer, you can just go to
1: our website, which is denverrescuemission.org, uh, and we'd love to have you come volunteer. There's a little volunteer button. Ask for some information, but you, you could bring some family members or some friends down or a you know, church group to come help us. We had over 16,000 volunteers come last year. We need every single one of them. So uh, if you're interested in doing more than that, we have some mentoring programs or we have schools or uh, groups that do, um, uh, f- you know, food drives for us or clothing drives or coat drives, all that sort of thing. And so there's a lot of ways that you can get involved in, And obviously, we are so appreciative and so reliant on the community for their financial provision. And so if you want to be a donor, we'd love to have you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: What um, give us a good read what's the uh what's the one best book or best thing people should read to get a get a better understanding of Sure, this I, broad phenomenon of homelessness. Okay, not necessarily a Christian book, but I think
1: one that's really goes written for schools. It's called Understanding Poverty by uh, Ruby Payne. Okay, and so I really that was my
0: grandmother's name. Oh, there you go. I don't
1: think she wrote the book, <laughs> uh, but I think I think that's a terrific book to read. Um, John Ashman has written a book, uh, and John Ashman is the CEO of Citygate. It's called Invisible Neighbors. It can be used for uh, uh, Bible studies or uh, Sunday school as well. I I think that's, uh, really, really a good book. And then, uh, just kind of on an individual basis, one that's kind of a fun read is uh, uh, Mike Yankowski's Under the Overpass. Mike is a kid here in Parker. He's not a kid anymore. I think he has his doctorate degree, and he's teaching somewhere at a seminary. Uh, but he experienced uh, life as a homeless person with another friend of his on the streets uh, for about six months, and so uh, really writes about uh, his experiences. Uh, and that again, that is called uh, Under the Overpass.
0: Okay. Brad Miley. Thanks so much. This has been stimulating. Oh good.
1: It, it, listen, it's been great uh, to be here and uh, again, I'm just so thankful for this community that we live in for the uh, because we're so reliant on uh, on this community. And as well, I'm just so thankful for Denver Seminary and its impact on on uh, on the world.
0: Well, and I know this is probably a life-changing moment for you to be in the DNR, the fam- the soon to be famous DNR sound booth for the very first time. Yes, it's thrilling. <laughs> it should be. All these black walls are, are so exciting. <laughs> so black. <laughs> Brad, Miley, thanks a lot. This is Engage 360 from Denver Seminary. We hope you'll uh, listen to us again. Give us your feedback, your questions. Email us at podcast at denverseminary.edu. Thanks for listening. Check in with us again next week.